Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show that's powered by Better Living Through Chemistry this week. As I power through a back injury, we have lost Raj to the COVID, and my three guys can't copy a link. You can see the trouble we're in right now, <laughs> but we're going to pull it through. First of all, from Ohio State, the man, the myth, the 0-1, Brandon Shane. Welcome aboard. Come on in, Big. And we also want to say, Gabby got a fundraiser going. Anybody wants to give to it? And Anna Lee did the same one. That's a that's a cool little fundraiser they're doing at school. It is. No, I, I'm glad to be here. Um, it's a cool fundraiser called the Color Run. Um, and, you know, we're trying to raise uh, a certain amount for each school. Each school is different depending on the demographic and I think it's uh, it's a great cause, great great way to support your kids and and school and uh, education. So yeah, we're we're already above her goals per se, but she's got a uh, another goal to to reach the top. So we're we're still pushing for that. She's got a stretch goal, and we need to get her there. Uh, I think they get a little neat prize if they get to the stretch goal. They do. And, and I know Anna Lee and the, uh, her school, they got a little shirt and dress down days. They always reward the kids, but it's great. The kids go out and raise money like this. Anna Lee's school, her fifth grade class on the way out was enough raised enough money with this thing to buy the younger kids a playground. And I think that's great. No, it's awesome. You know, what's funny is, you know, when I was growing up, we used to like sell candy bars or like do something – of that nature you actually got something in return now it's just like donate <laughs> yes yeah. oh kind of that we do for aau basketball I, I know i know it's just it's crazy nowadays it's just like hey you don't get anything but just donate money at least you got like you know a 25 dollar candy bar back in the day but now hey, well, it's <laughs> it's just donate well, at least the kids, every time I drive by, I go, at least the kids are getting to play on a safe playground because of me. No, Up exactly. Over there, his name's Tom, and he's new. And he's got a beard trim, so he looks good. And he sleeps. is a Michigan fan, so we'll be easy on him. Welcome beard aboard, sleeps. Tom Sloan. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was looking a little burly for my own good. Uh, I think the wife made a comment like, huh. Beards are getting a little long, huh? So uh, I made the decision to, uh, you know, trim it down, be a little more aerodynamic, but uh, little, little, little high and tight on the beard, a little high and tight. And uh, I did win my first week of fantasy. Uh, it's I always, took, I took on the uh, the uh, the lovely wife. Uh, I may or may not have doubled her up, uh, 160 oh. to 88. So, uh, yeah. so you're on the couch this week, right? <laughs> well, you know, uh, she was a little, uh, she's a little uh, fiery about Dak Prescott. So, uh, I had to guide her a little bit, uh, once I knew this week was done. So it was, uh, it's, it's a friendly competition. Well, you know, the thing about reckless speculation, if you won week one, you are in the minority. Very vast minority. <laughs> I didn't expect to. Uh, I had a point and a half from my tight end, and Joe Burrow decided to uh, forget how to play football for a little while. And, Told you uh, he's a bomb. I've been there. You go. <laughs> I was waiting on that comment. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
boys and girls, the guy that thinks Joe Burrow's a bum, Robbie Davis. Hey, you know, Randall, you can't you can't try to make us famous and then get all mad when we're all divas being like, we're not copying our own link. Send the send the link to the right spot. I'm not doing any work. If you want me on this show, that link better be where it's supposed to be. Look, I'm leaving just, y'all behind for Barstool. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be me and Portnoy in the office mm-hmm. just hanging out without y'all. Y'all be making – You'll be making content with down with Big Cat in the studios right now. I'm gonna <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. All right, guys. Uh, we're gonna just switch it up a little bit tonight. Um, like I said, I'm dealing with a little something, so I asked Tom to cover the NFL for us. Uh, and I get to be a panelist more than likely, unless my morphine wears off. And then, uh, not morphine. I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if my pain medicine wears off. But first, we're going to hit the NFL. At first, I want to talk about a baseball subject that I just kind of sent out in the last minute. Uh, Albert Pujols is sitting on 697 home runs with about 23 games to play. How likely it is he comes back and hits 700 if he ends up sitting on 698 or 699 tom that's a tough one i i don't see that happening uh he's he's never been one to be bigger than the game i i just think he's he doesn't have that pride that a lot of superstars tend to have um if he gets you know, a couple short. I don't know. I think he's content with being, what is he sitting in third place now all time? And well, I don't. If you throw out uh, A-Rod fourth place, yeah. and Barry Bonds, he's sitting in third place behind Aaron no. and yep. Ruth. Didn't he pass A-Rod? He passed yeah. A-Rod, yeah. yeah, yeah he's Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, and yeah. he's Look at Look. Robbie throwing in some MLB here. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I got a he must have watched I, around the horn today. I don't. I don't think he does it for the sake of getting 700. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, and to come back just to get a couple home runs, um, I it, it just doesn't fit the the Albert Pujols persona. So I, I don't think that'll happen. I think he's content if he lands on 699. Then so be it. He's he's generational player, and he deserves everything he's got coming. Uh, I think he gets there. I, I think the Cardinals – you may say the Cardinals hit him lead off after they clinched the Bennett just to get that extra swing. Robbie Chang, just real quickly, uh, as casual baseball fans, as you guys that don't follow it like some of us do, how much do you know about Albert Pujols? Um, you know, well, one quick question, and this is a dumb question. Uh, do playoff homers count in this count or is this regular nope. season? Regular season. Okay. okay. So, um, well, I mean, I watched, um, you know, I've bounced around, you know, grew up kind of a Reds fan, so very familiar with the Cardinals. Then then went moved to uh, San Diego Padres and now follow the Braves a little bit more. Um, very familiar. Well, Pujols' career, you know, he was the one of the best players in baseball, one of the heads faces of baseball. Then you move out to where stars go to die in Anaheim. Oh, and literally, I lived, 
I went to school at Chapman University, which is probably Pujols could hit it from the campus of the Angel Stadium in in totally irrelevant land in Southern California, where the Angels are. Um, and so, you know, he missed out on that. Like, just his total greatness, I think, kind of is lessened just because of where he played. But, man, it's not so much the 700 mark for me. It's the – how – like, you're close to passing Babe Ruth. Like, he's not going to get to Aaron. He's not going to get to Bonds. But if you can come back and you can pass Ruth – um, I mean, he's already a giant of the game, but that's legendary of the game. And as a professional athlete, I, I don't care how humble you are. I don't know how you don't go for it. Interesting. Jane, I like that take. That's a hot take right there. Could you imagine him coming back? It's reckless. That's it's reckless. It is reckless. Uh, so, Tom, I agree with your point to an extent. Like that has been his MO throughout his career is a team player, not worried about his own stats so much. Um, but I think this might be a little different, you know, when you're so close, you're at the end of your career, uh, you know, what's, what's a couple more home runs and trying to swing for the fences here. So I see him getting there. I see him making it and, you know, it, it, it's going to be pretty awesome to watch um, when that happens. Like I said, when that happens, because I really, truly believe he will get there. Well, he's only he's only 17 away from Babe Ruth right now. You know, and I don't recognize Barry Bonds. He had to take steroids to hit seven more than Hank Aaron. So Hank Aaron's on one of the leader, but slewed up. This is how long Albert Pujols has been in the major leagues. Casey Clawson was the starting quarterback at the University of Tennessee. <laughs> oh, if we could pull up those text messages between you guys. <laughs> the <laughs> national football champion and the flip was <laughs> Miami. Oh, that was the yeah. year. That was the year Claret. Claret and uh, the boys, the Youngstown that, boys went in one. Oh, two. Uh, well, he came out in 01, but yes, it would have been the 02 national championship game. He has, he already has 3,000 hits, 3,369, uh, seven, uh, 679 home runs, 2,199 RBIs, and a career 296 hitter. You get the reckless speculations salute, sir. You have been a great baseball player. Mm-hmm. Yep. On to college football, what everyone's here for us to talk about and what we're here to talk about. And we start with panic and chaos in Boone, North Carolina. Happy State, Happy State, Southern Conference, former Happy State. Michigan beaten Happy State, Happy State of the Sun Belt Conference. We're going to talk a lot about the Sun Belt Conference today. Happy State goes in, beats number six, Texas A&M at College Station. 
Hey, and it really it the game was not in doubt pretty much down the stretch. Happy kind of dominated the game. Jimbo Fisher, hundred and something million dollars, twenty-seven million dollar recruiting class. I will tell you, I still think Texas A&M's coming. I still think this class wins a national championship. But this is a big uh-oh, Tom. Uh, outside the SEC, what's the reaction to Happy State over Texas A&M? Well, as a Michigan fan, it's it's a aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, now you can feel what we felt 15 years ago, almost to the day. Um, I, I think the reality is a- Appalachian State is a, they're a good football program, and before they they joined the the FBS, you know they were almost champions every single year. So seeing what they did the week prior against North Carolina, putting up 61 points and losing, uh, there was no doubt that they're going in as such a big underdog. Those teams are scary. And, and, and if we've learned anything in watching college football through the years, you can't sleep on anybody. There's good kids that just can't get into these big programs that, you know, maybe – due to grades or visibility, all in all. But uh, this team is good. They're well coached. And when when you have nothing to lose, you come out of there like gangbusters. And they just they just kept bringing it the whole game. And and the one thing I that I love to see was, you know, App, Appy State, small town. It was almost like every single person in, in that town came down to run on the streets. It, it was, it was like the running of the bulls in, in Appalachia, North Carolina. It was really cool to see the community come out and just celebrate such a big win. You know, what did they make? 1.9 million to go, go and uh, to uh, 1.7. Yeah. 1.7. To, the thought yeah. was to lose. Um, yeah. But they, they went in they there and won and yeah. they paid them to go in and make A&M look bad. And, and this this works wonders for recruiting. I, I think if you didn't think Appalachian State was a decent team, uh, you will now, and and you'll see some good good things moving forward from that program. Tank, uh one point seven million. You brought it up. Uh, Happy State now has played North Carolina. Arguably, should have won that football game. Should've won that game. Yeah. Yep. Now Texas- forty points in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Insane. And did win that football game. Is Appy State getting on the mid-major map now like a BYU or Boise? I mean, they should be. I mean, look at look at what they're doing right now. Uh, this is a team that you do not want to schedule at a conference um, and, and try and – sleek by an easy game and pay them, you know, 1.7 or whatever million dollars to come in to your house and, and play football because like Tom said, they have nothing to lose and, and they are, they're well coached and there's a lot of scrappy athletes in the, in that program. And these guys these guys know they're up against a wall and up against these, you know, supposedly five-star guys and they were ranked what two, one stars or whatever. And, and they're getting, 
they're getting motivated by that. And, and this is the outcome. I mean, you see, you see what college football, this is what's beautiful about it is, is, you know, take NLI out of it, take transfer portal out of it. This is like gut wrenching heart of college football. When you see people like this in situations like that, that manifest wins um, regardless of their talent. And it, it's, it's awesome to watch and, and they're a dangerous team. And I, I Damn sure hope Ohio State never schedules Happy State uh, in the off season because or, or at a conference because that's a it's just a a no brainer for a catch up game right there. So look, we we learned our lesson with Georgia State a little while ago. We don't schedule Sun Belt team anymore. Robbie, give me you're you're in the area. You know how competitive Appalachian State was when they were in the Southern Conference. You know how they came in here and beat UTC every year, 55 to 7. The last two decades of football from Appalachian State is outside of Alabama as probably as good consistently as anybody in the country. But what does this win mean for Appalachian State? Well, I'll get to that in just a quick second. Um, just to give you what I think AM was feeling and what Michigan felt like. The, the most nervous I ever feel in a courtroom is when I'm going against a pro se litigant, like a self-represented person. Like, I'm supposed to be able to beat them, but they're crazy. They're wild card. They, they, don't, they don't know the rules of evidence. They don't know the rules of engagement. Like, they may just say something. Like, and I'm like, well, you can't do that. They just did it. And, and so it's out there. And so that I feel like that's what these powerhouses feel like when they play these lower tier schools. Like, we know what – we know what – like we're supposed to be able to block them, but when we don't, you get a little nervous and then you start to curl up, get a little tight. It's like whenever Brandon plays me at golf, he thinks he's going to beat me, but you know, get a few swings and get hot. Um, but no, where does this program and for this conference look? Appy State, this schedule is what you want to see if you're App State. North Carolina and AM. If you can get those two on the schedule the same year, if you can beat them both when we expand to 12, hey, you went out, let Carnage come back. Maybe you are in play. Maybe you're that 12 seed. And if you can get in and see what happens, because look, that's two quality wins. You win your conference. You know, I still they're still debating on who's the conference champions, but that's what you want to see. So scheduling is key for these mid majors. Negotiate. If I have one big big boy in that year, I need another one, and let's try to get two that same year. Let's see if we can knock them both off. Well, they have a game later in the season against Marshall, who just took out Notre Dame. So that that if they can pull that game off, that would boost their rankings and, and they're yeah. literally knocking on the outside of the top 25 right now. And uh, that's a huge game looking ahead that could really put them in, in, in a good position. Oh yeah. And, and, and it's like, and it's like Cincinnati when they made it, this is the year keep winning 
start next year up in the teens or the the low low teens, then you keep winning. Let people fall in front of you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this much, and then I want to I want to talk about their staff real fast too, because you'll be surprised with a couple of facts about their staff. Two of you have already mentioned Al Wildick, their coach. There is a roadmap from mid-major to FCS powerhouse team. And it was wrote and followed by Florida State mm-hmm. in the 70s and the 80s when they couldn't get anybody to play them and they would literally go any place in the country and play anyone. And eventually that grew into the program we now call Florida State. Another team that was on the verge of this in the 90s and the 2000s, I think they came as close to a permanent jump from mid-major to power five as any team has in the last several years that wasn't sucked up by a power five conference like Utah. or But just from obscurity to their major contenders, if you can remember Southern Miss – of the 90s and 2000s, they were beat Alabama, played Tennessee, y'all. They were there, too. Um, Her program, unfortunately, slid back, uh, like, too often they have, like Boise, like some other ones. But I think I think Appalachian's following, following that trail a little bit. If we'll come play you on the road, we'll play on the road five, six times a year just to get those big games. All right. For any of you, we'll start with one question. Do you know Appy's head coach, Sean Clark, is a career Appy coach? Promoted from offensive coordinator to head coach, has basically been in that one program his whole career. Does that shock you, Robbie? I was hoping you were going to ask, do, do we know his name? Because I did know his name, but you ruined it. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to get into this discussion later about coaching changes and who's going to go where. Um, no, it wouldn't shock me. Somebody who grew up in the Boone program um, would stay there. Uh, Tom, you've probably never been there. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Great people. And uh, it's it is the epitome of don't be happier than happy or don't try to be happier than happy. It it's a great great place, just a great town. If if you come down to the Smokies and to Knoxville, we'll run over there. It's not too far. October fifteenth. Here's another. <laughs> Let's talk about their defensive coordinator. Has spent twenty three years at the Appy program. He left in 2019 and went to Louisville for one year and came back. He has been their defensive coordinator basically his whole coaching career. He was an All-American at Tennessee that went to Boone and is early in his coaching career and never left. Hmm. His name is Dale Jones, and he's still at Appy 23 years later, the captain and the All-American of the 85 Vols team that won the Sugar Bowl. Shane, is there something to say for this continued stream of Appalachian football growing their own staff? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I think experience is the first word, obviously. Um, you look at these guys within, and we'll get into this later as well, hiring within is not always the best choice, um, but in in this case, it, it's proven well um, on both sides of the ball. So that experience with that culture, um, knowing what you need to do, and then the continual – uh, upper echelon scheduling, I guess, would is making them better and better and better, and and they're knocking these teams off, and and that's like I said, this is not a team that you want to schedule for an easy at a conference schedule game because they come to play, and they're they're looking at you as, hey, this is our you know national championship, this is our our gate in, and you know, buyers beware because it, they are, especially after this year, if, if they're not put on notice, I mean, come on. They've been doing this for a while now. Tom, uh, wrap us up, and then I'm going to open the floor for anybody comments about APEP. Does this remind you of Cincinnati a little bit, maybe five years ago? Yeah, it does. It does. Because um, you look at a program that really nobody took seriously in a conference that – really nobody took seriously with Cincinnati and it, and, and it took the right coach um, to kind of build and, and, and it took the right amount of time for the, 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 the kids to buy into that program. And I think going back to the, the coaching tree at Appalachian state, they believe in what they're doing down there. They, they believe in the community. And, and I, and I think they, they know that the future is bright and there's a reason why these, these guys stay there because they're, they're iconic. It's an iconic football program. When you look at it, that really nobody's heard of uh, outside of the mainstream uh, college football fan. But uh, I do believe that they feel like big wins like that will attract bigger uh, talent. Now going through their roster, there's a whole lot of players that, that don't even have pictures on ESPN. And that just goes to show you uh, the level of coaching and, and the amount that these coaches are able to get out of these kids. And uh, I, it, it's a culture. It's a winning culture. And it starts and ends with the coaching. And, and it, kudos to what they've got going on. And like I said earlier, they're they're on the doorstep of the top 25. And, and there's no reason to think that they won't be there within the next month or so or sooner. All right. Anybody got any final words you want to bring up about Appalachian state before we uh, talk a little bit about Jimbo Fisher? Uh, we've not uh, really addressed that, but I don't know what to say other than he's got a job. It's a flub, but he's got a job. Robbie want to talk about Jimbo a little bit? Um, I mean, I just think it's an interesting dynamic that the big players in Texas and the oil money have got themselves into. Look, he's what one game worse than Kevin Sumlin after 50. Um, he's got his one win over Alabama. Didn't Sumlin beat Alabama twice? Mm -hmm. And then 
Uh, yeah, they got this recruiting class. Man, you just lost to App State at home. And, like, bad losses happen. But his offense is 13 out of 14 in the SEC. Um, yeah, they may be in a bad marriage for a while. I mean, if any school's got the money to – if they want to make a change or if he is getting on the hot seat. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if he's on the hot seat because that's crazy to say with $95 million to buy someone out. But – Man, that's a tough contract to pay. Uh, if Ole Miss passes you by, Mississippi State passes them by. Ar- it looks like Arkansas is better than them right now. Um, well, that's, yeah. that's just not Texas A&M. That might be everybody in the SEC not named Alabama or Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it, th- yeah. So uh, I don't. I just think it's a sticky situation. And there's a lot of unease. Uh, you can't be confident of where you're headed. They went eight and four, eight and four. Like, I just you can't you can't put anyone on the hot seat with ninety five million dollars to buy them out. But um, no more easy press conferences, I don't think. Hey, Jane, hey, and then I'll come, Tom. Uh, in the day of the portal, I, I'm going to just throw this out. To me, I thought Texas A and M. Their quarterback play has been atrocious. Are they just looking for somebody to run that jet? Because they've got talent. That class they signed last year is not really helping yet. But even the class before that was a top 10 class. But I I don't know about their quarterback play and their uh, play calling. What what did you pick up? I mean, absolutely nothing. From, from that game, it, it's it's terrible. And, you know, Jimbo, big name, bad hire kind of situation. And, and they're stuck. Like, I mean, at least for three – when you pay that much for some somebody, you, you've got to give them at least three years, right? I mean, I would think that's kind of – Hasn't he been there five? They can't even buy him out if they want it to. It would well, they could. Well, and, and and here's the problem. <laughs> well, that there there goes the problem. You give somebody at least three years, and and this is the fifth year, right? So, yeah. and, and we're still back at square one, and this is a complete s show, and. I don't know what's going on with AM. They're they're on a free fall and Appy State is is one that's coming up and could replace them uh for sure in the top twenty five. I'll just say this. I've never been in that situation, but if I if I got paid ninety five million dollars over ten years or I got paid $95 million over one year to suck at my job, it's hard to work hard for 10 years. <laughs> right. I'll take take that one year. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, a Roger – or uh, what's LSU's ex? Oh, Orgeron. Orgeron. He was yeah. like – they were like, we owe you $17.1 million, and we're going to pay that, but you got to leave. He's like, what door do you want me to go out of? <laughs> yeah. What time do you want me to leave? Yeah. Go <laughs> to – what door do you want me to leave? 
Tom, I'm about sick of Texas A&M. Sum it up for us. Well, I'll sum it up for you. 97 yards uh, receiving, 83 on the ground. That is not a top 25 team. And I, I put in the chat, uh, the, the, the group chat there, he's an old name. Uh, I, I think his his coaching tactics are, you know, eight years and over. Uh, uh the day of going after the coaches by their names is over. And I think some of the coaches we'll talk about uh, later on in the show will prove that. It's a young man's game. You need young young coaching talent that, that can kind of, I don't know, fit in with some of the players that kind of understand uh, where a lot of these players are coming from. And when you, when you go up against a, a, a Sunbelt team and you can't even put together 200 yards of offense – yeah, I, I, I think uh, his days are numbered, and another loss like that, he might be going out like the way of Scott Frost. All right, well, thanks to the lead-in. That's where I'm going next. Let's talk about oh, Scott Frost. Segway. Segue. All right, well, I will say this. I still think Jimbo gets it done in Texas a and I'm in the minority, I understand, but I still think that they're going to buy a championship. And if you get good coordinators, an SEC you, championship uh, or a national championship, I think they'll still win a national championship. Nobody has ever Ooh. signed us like Texas A&M did last year. I'll, 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 I'll go against that. We're not bet, Robbie. We're not going to bet. Bet your nuts. <laughs> yeah. You go to you go to those sites and bet. It's I'm not your bookie, but uh i'm or i'm not your bookie.com which is sponsored by record no never mind i just think you buy enough players and get enough coaches you can win a championship i'm not sure nick saban actually coaches at alabama a lot anymore he runs a program he's in the office he's on a tower he's not he's not having his tight ends shift their weight in their four three-point stance He's a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. Well, I'll just take some – I'll just push back on that a little. No one switches coordinators more than Alabama. They have a new offensive coordinator every year. That train keeps rolling, man. It's And, and let's go through those names. Go through Bill the line. Bill O'Brien now. Steve Starkeesian. Sark. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Wayne Griffin. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's, go, let's go back to him. Out of the dumpster, Steve Sarkeesian fired Bill O'Brien. Out of the dumpster, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin. Yeah, they're great minds. And what what do they all have in common? They went to Saban's boot camp, learned yep. again how to coach, then got their programs. Like this well, is not just oh you don't you don't Kiffin. suck and get fired and fired, then go to Alabama all of a sudden. Oh, now I'm great. Now I'm can coach football. Lane Kiffin was 10 and 2 at Southern Cal the year before he got fired. Yeah, Bill, so I could go 10 and 2 at Southern Cal. A Big Ten juggernaut compared to the James Franklin at Penn State. And Steve Sarkeesian got fired for being a drunk, not his ability. I'm just saying. And the guy that was before them is at Maryland. You hire good assistants, and all those guys are good. I don't think Philip Former was a football coach. I think he was right, a CEO. But, but saying, saying Nick Saban's not a football coach, he's just a CEO, may be the worst take I we've said, had. We've had some terrible takes. I said Nick Saban does not do any football coaching anymore. He's hmm. not. 
field running drills. He's not on staff. I hope, I hope, I hope, we, have, I hope we have good lawyers for this blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick Saban. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to 100% disagree on that one. Yeah. For sure. Nick Saban will tell you today his coaches coach. He coaches coaches. There's a huge difference, guys. Yeah, my paralegals do the work, but I, I, I'm the <laughs> lawyer. So, just said. Yeah, you, think, you, think, you think Brandon actually does anything? No, but well, I don't think he's the mastermind behind it all. I don't think Nick Saban's down telling his center he's got to get leverage on the outside edge. All right, let's move on to a guy that's probably on the field, would like to be on the field coaching. I didn't and, have Nick Saban's terrible coach on the agenda tonight. I did not ever say that. You are putting words in my mouth, attorney. I will rebuke you. Scott Frost, very successful at UCF. Uh, also, UCF was a place that was very controlled, where he was kind of in charge of everything. Also, one of the things at UCF that we don't talk about that Scott Frost had was Danny White, who has obviously proved he's a great AD, and he will put a coach in a position to win. So Scott Frost then leaves, and hey, I, I may have to mute Robbie, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Folks were gnashing their teeth when Scott Frost got offered the Nebraska job here in the state of Tennessee because – up to the point the Nebraska job was open, he was probably the leading candidate for the Tennessee job when Jeremy Pruitt got it. His time is maybe the black eye on Nebraska football. I read a stat. His record, there was one other coach that was worse than Scott Frost through 50-something games. He had coached in the 1900s. Mm. Robbie, what went wrong with Scott Frost in Nebraska? Um, kind of what's been going wrong with Michigan. Um, they have this image of themselves and like want to bring this hometown hero. Grant, he was coming off of a nice job at UCF. Um, but I think it was just too much of this nostalgia and just wanting it to fit before like betting that it actually did fit. And um, what does Nebraska football look like? Like Nebraska has changed styles. They don't know what they want to be. Like they went from the triple option forever. Then Frank Solis took, took over. Then Bill Callahan, you want this, you know, West coast. Now you're going to go Bo Pelini back to defense and then the black shirts. And now you're going, uh, got oh Mike Riley out of nowhere, um, mm. the hire, and then mm -hmm. then bringing Scott Frost as kind of your savior. I think it's a program that what went wrong is I just think that they were just hoping that magic you put things together and they're going to work. Uh, you know, so, sometimes oil and water don't mix, and it's hard in Nebraska to recruit spread offense, hurry up guys. Like you're not Michigan. You're not Ohio state. You're not Penn state. It's one of the East coast. You're strictly Midwest. You're more Wisconsin. You're more Iowa. Like I, that's not like, even though Scott Frost and he may be a great coach. He may not, we don't know yet. He did well. He did poorly. Um, but he, 
that style doesn't seem to match, which uh, maybe a segue later doesn't <laughs> urban fit there. But that's what I think. Uh, I think it's just a, a bad, bad, bad culture fit, just a bad style fit. So, Brandon, we all assume Scott Frost was successful at UCF. And we all talk about, you know, Josh Hoppel got the hands to the car and he got the cows. Scott Frost was only at UCF two years, six and seven, 13 and 0, and left. Did he vet himself as a coach or did he inherit a team from a veteran coach in Georgia Larry that was ready to win? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he vetted himself as a coach. I think it was. That's Randall's new word of the day. I got it from Robbie, by the way. He said it to me the other day, and I looked it up. It, it, it was one of those interim <laughs> situations where here's a hot coach, a hometown boy. Um, this fits, and let's make it work. And, and to Robbie's point, kind of stole my thunder. It reminds me a lot of Harbaugh, um, just like – bring this guy in he's a hometown guy like we'll figure it out kind of whatever happens you know fans will love him because he's a a player here hometown guy uh and that's not the case i mean you know we're not running the triple option anymore we're not army or navy or you know it's just unfortunate i don't I don't think he's a good coach because one of two things happened. Either he couldn't adjust on his recruiting for his style or the recruits he had, he couldn't adjust his style for. And and that was clearly shown. And he's just, it's just not a good fit. Just a hometown guy. Like let's root for him. Uh, just because he's he's here and he was great when he was a player, but doesn't necessarily make you a good coach. I was actually talking about more Brady Hoke at Michigan than Harbaugh, <laughs> but yeah, Harbaugh also. I'm talking about Harbaugh yeah. for sure. Let me ask a question, Tom. Then you can go on with your um, – uh, Derek had a great point too, in my opinion. Nebraska lost their appeal ever since growing the Big Ten. A big fish started to move to a smaller pond to a very big pond, got lost in the shuffle, could never brand themselves in the Big Ten. I'm going to go even one step farther. Did they not re- destroy their built-in appeal nationally by not playing Oklahoma, by not playing Colorado, by not playing Kansas State? These rivalries that had been decades mm-hmm. of building. I sent a thing the other day, too. At their very best, Nebraska never had to give scholarships to kids in state. They had 170 kids on the 97 national championship team. Yeah. They could spend their 25 or 30 scholarships in California, in Florida for Tommy Frazier, and they could go pluck these ones and twosies. Sure. I don't think Nebraska has any identity in the Big Ten. They're just another program. Uh. That word is exactly what I wrote down uh, two minutes ago, identity. Soon as 
Nebraska joined the Big Ten, their identity was destroyed. I agree 100% with what Derek said. Uh, you take away the big lore of specifically kids from Nebraska playing Oklahoma. That's a huge rivalry. That's a Michigan-Ohio State type of rivalry. So you take that away. What's the appeal to go to Lincoln? There really is none. And now you throw in the mix of, of grasping at straws like Michigan did for several years. Uh, trying to bring in the right fit that just didn't work out. And then even so, bringing in Harbaugh. I don't think Harbaugh did what he needed to do until he decided that he couldn't do it on his own. He needed to bring in the right coaches. And I think starting last year, he did that. He brought in the coaches that were perfect for the kids that he was recruiting. So that's why I think he's been successful, not necessarily his coaching tactics. It's he put aside his arrogance uh, and let other coaches that that needed to he needed to bring in, let do their job. And and I'm not too sure Scott Frost was willing to, you know, put down his arrogance of being a, a, a Lincoln legend by playing there uh, years ago. I think he just felt that his name alone was going to attract kids, but this is a different era in college football. And you're right. You're playing in Lincoln, Nebraska, not too many kids uh, wanting to go to, to Nebraska in the middle of the winter and, and run, you know, an option style offense. I mean, you need to recruit kids for where you're at. You're, you're corn Fred, corn fed, big hoss, big guys, you know, kind of like they are up there in Wisconsin. So I, I think he, he neglected his own backyard, so to speak, and ultimately was his biggest undoing. So you, you hit the, hammer, or the nail right on the head with identity. They should have never left the Big 12. They did it for financial reasons, and I get that, but it, it's never paid off. And, and as a program, they paid the consequences. I agree with Derek. I'd rather be in Boone, North Carolina, as I would Lincoln. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Anybody got any final words? And then we're going to go through a list of potential coaching vacancies at Nebraska. Nope. Uh, I'm shocked. Man, I ain't never this, this was going to be my final word if we weren't going here. So, yes, I'm excited about this. All right. I am reading from – Yahoo Sports. Couple will we, we sent out already. I, I, I had you prepared for, but we'll spend most of our time there. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell, open floor. I don't think don't, he leaves Iowa State. I, I don't uh, think anybody's got the magic to get him out of Iowa State yet. Uh, Not he, he was he was number one on Michigan's radar, or number one or number two on Michigan's radar a couple years ago. Uh, and that, you know, say what you want, that program is, you know, appealing, even though they were kind of, you know, on the wrong end. But that didn't that appeal wasn't enough for him to leave Iowa State. I certainly don't think uh, Nebraska will be an appeal for that unless they bring a contract a la Mel Tucker. But we'll yeah. see. Well, OK, uh, let, let, let's just real quick before we. Talk about these coaches. 
Is the ceiling for Nebraska, is it getting into the playoffs at four teams? No, I don't. I don't see Nebraska. No, that's a long ways away. They're they're not. I, I have eight teams in my head. SEC right. getting a playoff, okay. competing okay. So, in the so, Big Ten East. That that's that's the ceiling right now. Probably. Well, okay. So so is the ceiling of Nebraska an upset in the Big Ten championship, and then winning the Big Ten is an upset underdog? Right now, yes. That would be their ceiling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if if that's the premise, then let's talk about these coaches. Would they leave for that being the ceiling? I I think a little bit depends on the coach also. But what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to talk. Like, can someone bust through that ceiling? Let's talk about the guy right now, the interim head coach, who I like, Mickey Joseph. Uh, First African American in Nebraska's. History, does anybody see them reaching for Mickey Joseph on a permanent basis? No, you don't. I mean, Frost's buyout was going down $7.5 million in two and a half weeks. They ripped, they they blew $7.5 million to get him out now. Mm-hmm. No, there's, they, you don't do that unless you swing for the fences. Like, they're, they're, I assume they're going for it. Biggest Outs- swing. It's somebody outside the program, has to yeah. be. All right, I'm going to give you the biggest name, in my opinion, that sits out there that comes up in every job, Mark Stewart at Kentucky, top ten. This is a program that was literally the laughing stop of the SEC for decades. Mm-hmm. But no one seems to be able to get Mark Stoops out of Lexington. Anybody see Mark Stoops going to Lincoln to take over that program? Didn't he turn down Florida? Mm-hmm. He withdrew his name. Now that's yeah, um, that's a iffy whether he got told no or. I think he could be out of Lexington at a bigger job right now if he truly wanted to be. Yeah, so that's just it. Is that a bigger job? That's a that's a demotion in my opinion. I, yeah, this is not yeah. a bigger job at all. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, I kind of be better history, but not a better job, right? I mean, right now at Kentucky, he's got extreme job security. He is well paid, and he's fighting for second in the SEC East. That's that's a good life to be living. This is like PJ Flack leaving Western Michigan when he was, you know, yeah. building something, row, rowing the boat in uh, Kalamazoo uh, for Minnesota. He was two years away from a big-time program, and I think he made a huge mistake uh, coaching-wise by doing what he did. So I would I would say that's similar to thinking that Mark Stoops is going to stoop to that level and go to Lincoln. I, I don't see it happening. I think that would be a big, big mistake. I literally can't believe if we went on our time machine back to 2000, and uh, I, I do think this that would Stoops would be – I think he would leave for an NFL job, as Derek said. Would Luke Fickle leave Cincinnati for Nebraska? No, no chance. No. no chance. Do y'all realize how 20 years ago this is? And I'm not leaving Tulane basketball to coach at Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, no. 
No, why? No, why would you go to Nebraska if you have Cincinnati no. rolling? They just made the playoffs. We just said we all agreed Nebraska's ceiling is lower than Cincinnati's ceiling. Yeah, and you know Luke. Luke is there, and and like I said in you know a previous show, is it is it a one off fluke or? is it actually starting to build a program? And we're going to see this year if they're going to come back and they're going to be in that top 10, top, you know. Hey, I think Arkansas may be the third best program in SEC. And this Cincinnati team played them nose to nose in Fayetteville just last week. So I think, yeah. I think you got a pretty good answer. Yeah, right. he's starting to, starting to build a program there. So there's no chance Luke Fickle. Mm -hmm. All right, Robbie Davis, this is the one you're waiting on. I know it. Everybody ready? Would Urban Meyer and his bad, bad reputation and his ability to win at every school he's ever been to. Now, let's take Ohio State and Florida out of the equation. Utah. Undefeated at Bowling Green. Yeah, mm -hmm. this man went undefeated at Utah. This cat is a rotten human being, but he <laughs> absolutely can coach. Urban Meyer would he go to Nebraska with a chance to rebuild his reputation? Robbie, this Dennis. this is the match, right? This is a rabid fan base that wants mm -hmm. a winner that will turn their blind eye as long as they win. This yep. this is. This is Urban's dreamland, right? Mm. This is what he wants. Give me money. Give me power. Let me run my program. I'll recruit who I want. You just let me win, and I will win. And he will. He would win. Like, I, like if you want a calmer version, maybe go to Dan Moore. I don't know if we're going to bring him up yet next. But I don't know if, like, hey – it's slimy, it's it's just icky, but it's college sports, and that's kind of what it is all about. But, yeah, if I'm Nebraska, I make that call, and if I'm Urban, I listen, and uh, for $10 million a year, and Nebraska will pay it, yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh, don't discount Fox, the whatever the kickoff show, is there this mm -hmm. weekend in Lincoln. So, yeah, so there, there's going to be some talking and that may not have been a coincidence, reckless speculation, why they fired Fro Frost this week. Knew Urban was going to be in town. All right. I'm, I'm going to give everybody else a chance at this and I'm going to tell you why I don't think Urban to Nebraska could ever happen. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and stand on my point when I get there, but. I just – let's think about the athletic directors at Nebraska. Dr. Tom Osborne replaced by Dave Remington, replaced by Trev Alvers, Alberts, all directly associated with Tom Osborne. Could they get around that Tom Osborne good guy image to bring in an Urban Myers? Brandon. Um, if this was Oklahoma, I'd say yes in a heartbeat. Just Nebraska. So here, let, 
Let me just preface this a little bit. All right. So you've got Urban Meyer, who's been a winning coach everywhere he's went in college football. Great guy, right. rotten human being. Great coach, rotten human being. Oh, rotten, rotten POS of a person. Um, so you you look at the track record of college. It's great. Then he goes to the NFL. And then he still thinks he's God and he can talk to people and treat people um, that actually have a voice in the NFL. You know, college, you're scared to lose your scholarship or whatever. Uh, So this has been the same guy over and over and over. Um, And now he's exposed. And now people understand what he's really about. Um, we all kind of knew it after that whole situation at Ohio State. We knew it in Florida, you know, when he faked his heart attack or whatever. And I, I was it. happy he came to Ohio State just because I knew he was going to win there and, and, and could do it. But I didn't realize what what kind of POS guy this was until he got exposed. You'll take the, the championship, though. You're not giving it back. I Hey, look. Like I said, I knew it was a little on the the bad side. I didn't know it was this bad. And, and now that you've seen it, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, how how can you – I know time heals all and people forget, but how can you forget this? I mean, just the stuff he did at in Jacksonville and just what a – bad person he is I, I don't even fly home with a team and then he gets you know that whole scandal uh he he was so embarrassed he wanted to feel like god again so he went back to his bar in columbus and and tried to uh, tried to get his ego checked and mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened uh and apparently if he's talking to these kids this way I mean, that's just not not a good vibe. Not look. I'm all for like discipline and and you know holding people accountable uh, for their job, especially in college. This is where you teach. I don't know if he's quite teaching more than fear. Uh, it, it was. It, it's so hard to to know what went on, but after the exposure in the NFL, it man, if, if anybody hires him again. It's just a disgrace, in my opinion. All right, Tom, uh, before we get off Urban, any final words on Urban? Then I'm going to go through some, I think, reclamation projects that could have a home at Nebraska outside of Urban. Well, you look at, you look at like Brandon said, his reputation is squandered, we'll say. I mean, everybody knows what kind of a, a human being this guy is. So with that being said – why would Fox risk so much to bring him back to the arguably the soon to be number one college football pregame show if they didn't think that somebody would take a shot at him? So now you're Urban Meyer. You you kind of went away for a little bo- little while you clean, cleaned up your wounds you know you, you, you got yourself built back up you showed up on set with the 
with little beard and glasses, which you, you never seen him, you know, before. So you're looking like grandpa, maybe. Tell me a program where there's not a lot of hype. There's not a lot of uh, media attention that you could go to to rebuild your coaching reputation and go to a place that would say, I'll give you two years. Sure. Two years, you come in, you win a championship, you win a Big Ten championship, you put Nebraska back on the map, and we'll let you go. It's it's Nebraska. And for me, to, to go back to the question you asked, everyone's geared back to Tom Osborne, they don't have a choice. They're, they're at the precipice of becoming a, a program that – nobody would rather go to like we were talking earlier, like would rather go to Boone, North Carolina than Lincoln, Nebraska. So they have to make a big splash. I think in the the big picture, it has to be urban Meyer. And I agree with Robbie. I think there is something to be said. Where was he week one of uh, college football? Big noon. He shows up last week and now he's going there this week. I think there's some things at play. But for, for me, Fox taking the risk of bringing him back on their panel, panel says to other programs, maybe we can give him a chance too. Because let's face it, in this today's college football, nobody cares about uh, education. They just want to bring a championship to their school. And, and I, for Nebraska to do that would, would be the perfect fit for him. Small media could bring in a big, big uh, program a la Utah, uh, and and it could be successful for both parties in play here. It, it, it almost – and I'll be quick. Sorry, I know okay, next up. Real quick, it reminds me of Kentucky's position in basketball, and they were losing, and they, they hired Billy Gillespie a failure. You know what? Calipari's a risk. We know it. He knows that it's dirty. We're getting him, and we're going to win. Risk this, reward. This is too funny to not bring up. With the portal in Urban, uh, wouldn't succeed in Lincoln. Talent might show up, but they'd leave just as fast as they got there. Unless Nebraska prize their rusty corn first and pays fat NLIs to make Texas A&M look cheap, it would be a mid-worse version of Miami Hurricanes in the 80s. Derek Joseph, that's hilarious. We've got to go. I, I think Nebraska would would take that though to, yeah. to be in that same conversation. I got to go rapid fire now. I'm going to go. Each one of you got three coaches. I want to get your gut reaction of this. I'm going to start with a guy that Robbie said couldn't coach. Bill O'Brien off the Alabama staff to Nebraska. Would Nebraska take him, or would he take Nebraska? Either way. No, Nebraska won't take him. Brandon Jane. O'Brien? No. No, I don't oh, want okay. to, uh, Bill O'Brien. Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers. Mm. Is he fired from the Panthers? He's not going to no. leave the Panthers. They I know. I, I, you, the year's going to play. I, I don't you get three years in the NFL. I don't see that. Mm-mm. No, I think he waits for a better job. All right. Here's the guy. I'm going to sell this real fast. 
a guy that was an offensive coordinator of a national championship team in the Big Ten, a guy that has multiple years as an OC in the Big Ten, a guy that went to the mid-majors and went 22-4. and 22-4. and four. Goes to a Power 5 school, goes 32-14, and 14, and is fired. And he's unemployed, sitting out there, working as an analyst right now, Three years ago, the hottest coach in America, Tom Herman. Tom. Mm. No, I don't see it. I don't if, see it. If you fail at Texas, you fail pretty bad. Yeah. The, wh- wh- who's the guy, the the Leopold guy from Kansas? Yeah. I could see him going to Nebraska. I, I I look at Tom Herman kind of like I look look at uh, Narduzzi at Pitt. I mean, there's there's coaches that are coordinators that what are much, able yeah. to take to take oh, the is. next step, and then there's coaches that are they just for whatever reason they just can't make. I I Herman had was given everything he he needed at Texas, and and it just never panned out for him uh he was part of the big ohio state hype train you know he was the yeah he was the guy um who was the next one to get the big job and and i i think the lights were just too bright for him and that's okay so i don't think i don't think he'd be a good fit at all no i i totally agree with tom real quick uh tom Herman, he was one of our best offense coordinators we've had in you know quite some time maybe a decade and, uh, you know, I was rooting for him when he went to Texas, but it, it was just, it, it, like you said, the lights are too big for him. He, he just couldn't, he couldn't manage. Some people are really good in their lane and some people are really good, you know, at delegating and, and orchestrating. And he was not one of those guys. He's, he's good in his lane. He's a great offensive coordinator. Um, and I hope he gets another job in, in that aspect. But as a head coach, I mean, he, he had one of the biggest jobs in the country mm-hmm. and with all, all the money, all the recruits, and it just didn't work. So uh, I'll see him as a good o- OC somewhere um, eventually. What about, what, what about the uh, old Texas and Florida coach, uh, Strong? Uh, never. Char- Charlie Strong? Yeah. Never. Urban makes too much chance. Hey, I got I got an outlier. I got a real quick outlier. Everybody, one comment to clear it up. Everybody's going to go around the table. Tell me who your coach is that will be. And and this is no speculation. You're saying right now, here is why, Mm. and here's who will be on the sideline in 2023. Tom. I don't know if this will happen, but this is who I would love to see. And I hope I'm not stealing Brandon's thunder here. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. I think, you know, going back to, you know, sometimes coordinators can't equate to the coaching, uh, head coaching ranks. I think he can. He's young and he gets so much out of his kids year in and year out. Um, He's, a corn fed type of a recruiter who will be able to go into uh small town, Nebraska and really sell the program 
uh, to their parents and to these kids. And, and I just think he's, he's kind of a throwback coach being that he played in Wisconsin and, and he's, you know, he's been there DC for a few years now, but I, I just think he's a prototypical big 10 esque type of coach who knows how to recruit, who can coach his butt off and would be a perfect fit for Nebraska football. Brandon. I'm going to go outside. And I didn't mean to cut it. You can wrap and, that. And completely outside of Big Ten football. And, and nowadays, in new times, we've got the transfer portal. We've got the NLI. And you need a big name there. Everyone screams Urban Meyer. You know, what a, what a big recruit he would be uh, or recruiter uh, to these kids. I'm going to say Deion Sanders. I really, really like this fit in Nebraska. Um, Deion Sanders is a big name. He knows the game. This is prime time, baby. Like, give me some Deion Sanders in Lincoln, Nebraska, and watch them win a championship. All right, Robbie. All right. I've never heard anyone describe Lincoln, Nebraska as prime time, but um, no. I didn't say Lincoln was prime time. Look, I said I mean, prime time coming to this Lincoln. makes just too much sense. You have a top five college football coach, in my opinion, easily top three, probably the second best college football coach of all time, sitting there looking for a job, looking for a redemption story. You have a storied program that wants to get back to the top. It's just it's it's almost like Tennessee and Rick Barnes it just makes too much sense. Just go ahead and tie the knot. Urban does make a lot of sense. I understand the risk, but This is out of the. This is so in the box that it's out of the box. I think Mickey Joseph is going to get a shot to take that program, considering if he doesn't just have a terrible year, if he can play decent football and the kids play hard, and the kids are already talking about, hey, we want Mickey Joseph. That's kind of one of the things is how we ended up with Marcus Freeman at Notre yeah, Dame. Just say buyer beware. So we'll talk about him in just a minute. Give me Mickey Joseph to move on, but let's never let the employees hire the boss. That is so true. Mm-hmm. I want we're, we got a couple, we got about three things, and I want to leave Tom plenty of time on NFL. So I may just go to single reactions and right. then a little follow up on the next two subjects. Uh, let's go to Florida and Kentucky. Robbie, you're the SEC guy. Uh, well, I guess both of them are SEC reactions. Uh, give us your Florida Kentucky take. I, I don't think I'm shocked. Uh, matter of fact, I believe I said I think Kentucky's going to win the football game. Um, yeah, so it went from Kentucky losing 31 straight, I think, to now winning three of the last five against Florida, including two in the last two of the last games in the swamp. Um, these are programs heading in different directions. Mark Stoops has built a not a powerhouse in the football sense, but a powerhouse for Kentucky and um, coach of the decade award. 
he's got to be in the top three finalists for what he's done there. Uh, I, yeah, I think they're definitely programs going in a different direction. I think um, Florida still has a load of talent, and Billy Napier will probably get it figured out. Uh, Brandon or Tom, any comments on Florida, Kentucky? Uh, yep, this was a this was a sorry, Brandon. This was a no, trap game. This was a trap game for Florida. Everyone was buying into the hype. Uh, you had a Kentucky team who, you know, why not go down there and win? And I, and I remember putting a text in the thread: Can Kentucky go down and win in the swamp? And I think the consensus pick was: Yeah, they they can, and they probably will. So for kind of a bounce off game of that Utah. This was the absolute worst thing that could have happened to Florida to have a, a, a program like Kentucky. That's just, you know, steamrolling through They're They're playing well and, and for them to come in. So it wasn't surprising. I, I that'd be one thing I would say about it. And it just basically was a trap game for Florida. I, I think CBS maybe was the most disappointed because they could have had a four and Oh, Tennessee or three and O Tennessee versus a three and O Florida at three 30 next week. Very easily. Brandon. Yeah. So Kentucky is, is kind of the silent killer in the sec right now. They're, they're like the app state to me. They're, they're a team that is continually evolving and getting better every single year and when they're on your schedule you know you think ah it's a basketball school this is this is another vandy this is you know bottom of the sec you better strap up your boots boys because he you know stroop's got these boys coming to play and and that's a whole nother reason i don't think he's ever going to leave he's he's building a program here um and he's making his name uh again and and that Kentucky is no longer just a basketball school and let it be known. I mean, they just beat Florida uh, and, and Florida's, you know, pretty well known and, and the swamp's hard to play in. I, I love Kentucky, you know, sliding in, you know, give them another year or two. I think they're going to be competing in there for sure uh, to win it. I'll just say this, Kentucky's a better football program in Utah right now, period. Oh, for sure. Kentucky beats Utah on the field 60% of the time or greater. No, and, and we were all on Utah preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the ranking. I was all on Utah, too, minus two and a half. I was all about Utah and uh, over Florida, anyway. And uh, But but Kentucky is a way better team than Utah, so um, that was evident watching the game i thought about not even bringing the next topic up because i think it's a non-story in a way but unfortunately i think it's into the age when georgia or alabama almost loses it's a story Tom, texas goes to alabama or alabama goes to texas wins on a last second he'll go not as much about the game for you but how is it losing by one for alabama now is the lead story on ESPN. I think that's big story. When you look at the, the number was 20. Um, you don't 
generally see Alabama struggle in the way they did. The receivers were dreadful. Uh, they could not get the run game going. Um, on the flip side, they played well on defense, but let's face it, their bread and butter is Bryce Young. And if not for the last 10 minutes of that game, you know, Texas probably pulls this off. I think they got a little bit too big for their britches. Um, th- at the end, I think they didn't put the pedal to the metal, we'll say. But um, I think a- Alabama looked at this as we got this. We're Alabama. And Texas, with Quinn Ewers, who, who came out like gangbusters, and their big receivers – I think they had a different story. Like, you know, this isn't going to be a walk in the park. You better strap on your boots because um, we're ready for you. And in the heat and the rabid crowd, I, I just think that all came into play. But, yeah, it's a big story when when the team that everyone said the consensus number one pick in the, in the, in the, the country almost loses. So, yeah, that's, that's big news. Robbie? Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, um, I had to work. I got to this game late. I got to about 1 o'clock, so I missed the Ewers injury and all and what he looked like earlier, so I won't comment on that. Everything I heard, he was great. Um, yeah, this is kind of a Alabama expect to win kind of game, like Tom said. Uh, probably a reality check for Saban. He may actually come down from his tower and coach this week. I don't know if he's busy or whatnot, but he'll probably do something. Um, but yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like, look, this was Sark coached a great game. That defense played great, but at the end of the game, just tactical style, Saban just out time managed him, and that was the difference. Like, you, the safety was ridiculous. That was probably the most confusing worst call I've ever seen. Oh, but. Um, but either way, once it was called, Saban had the ball back with enough time. If they wanted to score a touchdown, they could have went for it. They kicked the field goal. Um, Bryce Young was great on the last couple of drives. Terrible the first half, first three quarters, but got it together. I mean, just Alabama survives and advances, and, you know, it is what they do. It, they, that's what they do. Yeah. So – my take on this game, um, first off, if Quinn Ewers stays healthy, they win the game maybe by 10 points. I agree. It, it was – he was unstoppable. Uh, the Bama offensive line was the worst I've seen in quite some time. It was atrocious. And, yes, Bryce Young at the end did – try and take it on his shoulders. But if you don't – if you remember that last drive before they kicked the field goal, uh, transfer from Ohio State, Ryan Watts, had a wide open uh, corner blitz and hit him in the backfield 10 yards and slipped – he slipped the tackle. Uh, that, that was a huge play, huge turning point in this game. And he ended up running for a first down. Uh, now that changes everything, mm-hmm. but like I said, this is one of the worst offensive lines I've seen out of Bama in quite some time. And to be honest, I, I think 
Bryce Young was confused for like three and a half quarters. I mean, he had no idea, no read on the defense. Um, receivers were dropping balls. Offensive line was terrible. It, it just looked so uh, like Lego linked put together. It just wasn't cohesive. It just it felt very forced. It, I don't know. You know, and maybe this is just an overlook of, of Texas by Bama. Um, you know, Bama's probably going to just do what they do eventually. But this game, man, slipped away. And, and Texas Texas had them on the ropes. And like I said, if, if Ewers was healthy, dude, this game was over. They won by 10 points if, if Ewers was healthy. And, uh, and, and, and also to mention, uh, they're – all American who some thought deserved to be in the Heisman running over Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson. He was a liability, especially in that first half. He had three penalties. He had a huge penalty on, on third and five where he lined up in the neutral zone after they got, they stuffed the, uh, um, Bijan Robinson, Robinson, but in the backfield that, that cost him. So just boneheaded plays. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they kept shooting themselves in the foot. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. I think y'all are 100% on the money on that one. And somehow they'll end up going 11-1 and one and playing for the SEC title. I don't I don't want them to, but they always do. I don't do. think so. I agree with Tom's take there. Um, yeah. All right, we got seven minutes. I want to leave Tom uh, 30 minutes to cover the NFL. Uh, quickly, let's talk about the third – Sunbelt team getting a victory and the current state of Notre Dame football as Marshall, I mean, handles Notre Dame. Very impressive. Not even a close game to me. Uh, Marshall beats Marcus Freeman in his third attempt to get his first win as a coach. Has Notre Dame made the wrong hire, Tom? Well, I think I think the easy answer right now is probably to say, yeah. Um, going back to like your your take on uh, Mickey uh, Joseph, uh, I think Nebraska is really going to look <laughs> at at the fact that the players wanted Marcus Freeman Very as their much. head coach. Um, but make no mistake, he's he's. He's a hell of a coach, and and I really do think he'll he'll straighten it around. And let's face it, he's at the right program to do so. They're going to give him plenty of time to uh, put it back together. Just look at Brian Kelly, Cajun Kelly, which you know it was stupid that he left. How many failures did he have year in and year out? And yet he still was beloved by the alumni. But so I, I think for that fact alone. Being in South Bend, he's a good guy. He's a good fit. Um, they just need to bring in a, a, an offensive coordinator that, that's going to attract somebody that's going to be able to move the ball. And offensively, they're just putrid. And the fact that uh, Buchner or whatever his name is uh, went out, I think that's actually a good thing for this team because Pine might be a better option. He actually looked better uh, last year in uh, when he played – uh, Oklahoma State in the bowl game. So wrong hire right now, you can say yes. Um, 
but I think in three years, people might have a different opinion of him. Brandon. Um, so I, I agree with you on a level that is the immediate hire is, is completely wrong right now. Like he was a player's coach. Uh, it was, it was inside. He knew the system, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here's where his inexperience comes in. He's got his first game against, you know, a top three team in the country. And all he does is focus on that. And, and they played great. They really did. They, they played really half. good against. Yeah. And I, I think he, he spun his wheels working on that game. He was not, uh, not even considering game two. And, and I think that's where, you know, some of the inexperience comes in. It, he thought maybe it would, could have been a lax week or, or, or someone of that nature uh, against Marshall. And, you know, that, you know, this is Marshall's Super Bowl. They're playing an, another big, big time and got, team. And got paid. And got and paid. Got paid. Got, they, yeah, they got 1.5 million, yep. 1.4, 1.5 million to come uh, beat the crap out of Notre Dame. So, you know, I think you can chalk some of that up to inexperience. Do I think he, you know, put him on the hot seat now? No, I mean, he's a player's coach. Let's see what he can do. Let's give him give him two years, let him recruit, uh, maybe three, and, and see what happens. But as it looks today, no. I mean, he, he looked terrible. He's got a lot of... A lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but you know those are learning experiences, um, as we know. So I, Notre Dame's going to be fine. They're going to do what they always do in non-conference and and be in the top five somehow every year. All right, Robbie Davis, you have four minutes and forty seconds. Go. <laughs> Gotta take the whole time, or is that just my max time? No, you, you get one forty-five. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, with Freeman, look, not ready does not equal not great. So, not saying he can't be great. He's just not ready. Now, the question for Notre Dame, and only for Notre Dame, is: Do you wait for him to get ready to be great if you think he's going to be great? And if you do think he's going to be great, then you wait for it. But they jumped the gun on this hire, and I think it was a lot of pressure from the players. And probably this is the unforeseen things of the transfer portal is that a lot of players were going to leave unless they made him the head coach. And players mm-hmm. are getting power now, and administrators are having to – will yield some of that power and this is one of those cases one of the first cases really we've seen look charlie weiss didn't go 0 and three willingham didn't go 0 and three um freeman's went 0 and three so it's his first three games as head coach so the the trajectory is not for him but 
it's early, man. Like, but this, this, this is exactly why you don't give thirty-two-year-old coaches head coaching jobs that haven't been proven elsewhere at big programs because you don't know. And we'll see how it goes. But he didn't look necessarily lost on the sidelines, but he did look like, he looked man, lost. this is big. Like, like I don't know if y'all saw it. That's what I took from like Marshall when he flipped his head headset off, like. That's what I'm saying. The the whole this whole thing, like yeah. he he has no idea where he's at. Yeah, like Look, like it, it's almost like like as a 32 year old would be, um, playing to the camera instead of solely focused on the game. And like, I don't care if people like I can have mustard over my shirt and I'm coaching the football game as opposed to it. It I don't know. Yeah. It was just a weird look for me. Well, you look at most most coaches, most head coaches, they they get their bumps and bruises in in, in smaller programs. This guy's yeah. this guy's a first ever head coach in one of the most storied programs in all of college football. He's got a lot of pressure on him at thirty two yeah. years old. Um, so I think bumps and bruises uh, at Notre Dame as your first head coaching position uh is they, they go a little deeper and they, they they hurt a little bit more than they would hurt at say like a ball state or at, at a uh you know a western michigan or something like that so i i think they're well, maybe highlighting his mistakes which it's okay he's gonna make mistakes he should he's a first time head yeah. coach well and that's this, the thing though and this, and this is where not being a conference really hurts the, him because now the players have nothing to play for. They're out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. They there's no conference to championship win for. Like it's just get to the season healthy and not get hurt. And so that sucks because he's trying to motivate young men to play, but they've got motives too, and they've got goals, which is to not get hurt and and get that eligible get get to that third year so we can go to the NFL. All right, guys, I hate to wrap it up, but we, we're going to have to go on to the NFL. And I'm going to turn it over to Tom. I will be here in uh, voice only, but I will be here if you need me uh, uh, for comments. By the way, I thought the Falcons played well, even though they choked at the end. I do want, <laughs> I do want to. Hey, as an underdog, they almost won the game. Unlike a team that was favored. Almost won. They were up 16 in the fourth quarter. Of course, they almost won. <laughs> yes. Uh, <coughs> that lost at home. I'll just say that and move along. Hey, have you ever seen the Titans play? Yeah. Yes. See but, what happens. But before I get into this debate with the bourbon drinkers over there, I want to talk about something real fast. Just a second. Um, My daughter is 12 years old and has a very deep, passionate heart for people. She has a gentleman in her life named Zach Ward that's a guitar teacher. By the way, if your kids want guitar in the Chattanooga area, Zach Ward, call me, call me. I'll tell you what, your kids want to take guitar lessons, I will pay for their first lesson out of my pocket. You go to Zach. If you don't like him, then it's not cost you nothing. Uh, Zach has a band, a local band, and uh, they're very talented older gentlemen that like to get out and play. 
his bass player, Dean, uh, has a GoFundMe going. Dean was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, the doctors are already saying it's going to uh, spread to his liver and it's coming fast. Uh, we are going to do some benefits for Dean around town. There are going to be some free shows, some silent auctions, but there's a GoFundMe and my daughter asked me for River City Media to post this. If you look in the scroll below or you look on River City Media or my personal Facebook, you will find Dean's GoFundMe. I don't know Dean's personally. I know Zach. I don't know how much Zach thinks of Dean. Um, if you have the heart to try to help somebody, he's trying to get his social security right now. He's trying to retire, do all the things he needs to. It's a family that could really use some help. And uh, I would appreciate it. My daughter would appreciate it. And all the guys from River City Media would appreciate it. Thank you all for letting me take this moment to just kind of rant about this. But um have two people I care deeply about that 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 wants that cares deeply about this man. So he must be a good man. Yes, Thank you for letting me and then Randall, if you'll share that, the, I, you can't click click on this link. I just tried to. If you'll share it, we can all share it on our social media. It, it is yeah. on our Facebook, um, but I'll send it in an email too. Uh, I know that's the best way to communicate with you guys now. Uh, on your, I'll send it to your Facebook if y'all put or on the email if y'all put it on there. Only suckers are on Facebook. I am going to step aside. This show does not need me to run because we have a two hosts besides myself. One being Brandon Chain, one being Tom. Tonight it's going to be Tom up, and I am here and I will be producing the show henceforth. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, giving me the opportunity and thank Randall. And uh, yeah, if you can donate to that, it go fund. That's, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, sad situation and we wish him the best. And uh, we just love Randall's heart. You know, he, he, you know, he looks like a rough fella, but man, he's, he's got a heart of gold. So moving on, uh, what a crazy week, not only in college football last week, but who'd have thought that it would just continue to the next day and the next couple days in the NFL? So, guys, I mean, it started right away with Buffalo and the Rams. Uh, L.A., you know, coming off a big Super Bowl win, big high. Matt Stafford, boy, they really looked bad. Uh, was that a situation of them looking bad, or is Buffalo just that good? Brandon, what do you think? Man, I think Buffalo's that good. Um, it, it hurts me to say. Uh, Josh Allen is a dog. Like, this dude is a dog. Like, I mean – if you watch his interviews, he's like the nicest person, like, <laughs> you know, super smiley and like happy go lucky. But when he gets you, you look at some of these like obscure interviews with some of his teammates and other things, they're like, this dude is a dog. Like mm -hmm. he, that, that, uh, uh, sorry. Losing my train of thought here, real quick. Um, Derrick Henry stiff arm kind of deal that Ooh, he did yeah. and put that dude down. And then, you know, the touchdown run, you know, reaching over, 
I mean, this dude, he's unstoppable, you know, and, and his his team believes that. And when you have that belief and when you've got a leader like that, I mean, you're you're dangerous. You what are a, so dangerous. One of the things I took away from, especially when he took off with the ball, which I think he did it a little bit too much, so it will be interesting to see if this continues on throughout the season. He was putting the hits on the defenders and he was getting up and, and he just had this, this, you know, crap eating grin, like <laughs> I, I got you. So yeah, he, he was on another level. I think he's on a mission and we all know what that mission is. Uh, but another player that st- stood out all night long, their free agent signing in the off season, Von Miller, as we like to call him the Lord of the Rings around here. Um, yes. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Robbie, what is it with Von Miller, who goes to L.A. last year, uh, joins a defense that was was kind of lackluster. You plug him in. Next thing you know, the, you can't get past him at all. They go on to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. Now he comes over to Buffalo uh, in the game he had. What is it that he brings to a defense that really amplifies – how everybody else plays. The, the the only analogy I can think of, um, I don't want to date us with our audience, but remember in the 90s when Dion went from the Niners to the Cowboys and whatever and team won. he was on won the Super they Bowl, winners. that's what it feels like with Vaughn Miller. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's a machine and like he's just unblockable and he brings it in like, I mean, the, the, the equalizer in the NFL from a great quarterback is the defensive end. And the Bills now have it. And so, man, they look as good as any team I saw over the weekend. And, yeah, and I agree with what you guys said earlier. Man, uh, Allen looks like he's on a man with a mission. He did not spend this offseason enjoying life. He spent it preparing, and he wants to win the Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it's it it's it was kind of fun to watch. It, it looked like they were all having a great time. Um, one caveat I will say uh, it was interesting to see uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was part of uh, pregame ceremonies. Uh, so looking at that that receiver core, and I think we all thought Allen Robinson was maybe going to be a key factor in, in let's face it. He wasn't um, besides cup who did does what he does. Uh, there was nothing there. Um, do you think the Rams might take a stab at uh, Beckham? And is that one of the reasons why he may have been there? What do you, what do you think, Brandon? I mean, that's kind of far fetched for me personally. Um I think the Rams just got punched in the mouth Yeah, is what happened. Um, I, I think the Bills were a better team. They were better prepared and better coached. And, and Sean, or, uh, Sean McVay is one of my favorite coaches. Obviously, people tell me I look like him all the time. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys uh, with his offensive schemes. But they were, they were not ready. Uh, for this defense, uh, which is 
was surprisingly better than last year, which I thought was, you know, a, a top three, top five defense. Uh, and to combat that, Josh Allen on a mission, I mean, yeah. it's just – I mean, they, they didn't have any time. Their offensive – the Rams' offensive line had hardly zero time. Uh, I, I mean, they were com- completely overwhelmed all game, and, and that was the difference. That That's why, you know – Allen Robinson's going to be fine in this scheme. I, I think he's going to be a big player. I, I just think it was a game plan and and what the Bills. I mean, you got a whole season to prepare. Yeah. You know, whole off season for for who you're coming against the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, a lot of this game scripted, and you know their tendencies. This is this is the most studied game. Uh, per se of the year, so uh, I don't expect anything less out of out of uh, the Bills and and what they're about to do. Yeah, and you can you can you know look at how their season ended last year. So they had Week One marked on their calendar. That that's for sure for the whole season. Uh, so moving well, on well, to, oh, go ahead, Robbie. Oh, I was say I do wonder. Like McVeigh's strategy was, hey, team doesn't come out for the Super Bowl celebration. Like that was all last year. I just wonder how much that was just kind of like, hey, let us celebrate. Let us be out there and celebrate. I just think it was kind of, um, you know, maybe just a little bit of just they just weren't ready. And for whatever reason, that game, what hey, they wanted to be celebrated, wanted to hear the crowd and get pumped up and. And this is McVay's first Super Bowl, and and there's only a few coaches that can win some. I'm not sure he handled this turning the page correctly, but I've never won a Super Bowl, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, well, I go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say real quick. I think the difference is winning a Super Bowl and losing a coin flip um, motivates you a little bit more in the off season. I think the Bills probably prepared two to maybe even a month longer than the celebration of the Rams. And I I think that kind of showed. So, Well, moving on to the other team that uh, represented uh, the AFC in the Super Bowl last year, Cincinnati. Uh, Boy, they didn't look good, especially Joey Mm. Burrow. Uh, I think they came out uh, thinking that they – swept Pittsburgh last year and that it was going to be uh, a similar situation this year, seeing that they're starting Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Robbie, I'll start with you since, you know, you, you, you picked Cincinnati to, to win and possibly get back to the Super Bowl. Is there any reason to panic? Uh, should the fans hit the panic button or is this just one game and uh, they'll figure it out? So a little bit of both. Um, yeah, you should panic because Joe Burrow's a bum. <laughs> um, I had him in fantasy last year. He cost me my league. He's a bum. Um, but aside from fantasy standpoint, I mean, I guess if you're going to be, you know, neutral and objective, I'm not sure if we want to do that here, but if we're going to be objective, no reason to worry. Five turnovers. They missed by a field goal. Um, no, there's no reason to worry. Pittsburgh's not that. 
while they stole a game, their longevity is not going to be up to up to par. They can't do that for the whole year with their quarterback situation. So, um, so this is what I'm starting to get irritated with about the 17th game now. Is no one's playing in the preseason. So now this is the first week's kind of was a throwaway game for these coaches. And totally I'm agree. not liking the look of this. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what we're seeing now. I mean, the preseason's thrown out the window, and our first week or two of the real NFL season is when people actually get to play together and try and formulate somewhat of a offense, defense, whatever, team. And, and and this is what you're seeing, you know, mistakes and stupid plays and all that stuff's cleaned up in the preseason, right? Yeah. Well, now we don't have that. So this is what you're going to see. I mean, if NFL wants 17 games, you know, you're going to suffer through, you know, the first week or two of muddy, pretty much an extended preseason, call it week one, whatever you want to see. And and it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, Y'all see and, me? No, because I I've got R- a big. Uh, R- Randall, if you're back there, can you take that chat down so we can see Robbie? I don't know I, if you're still actually. Back. This is much. Uh, yes, there we go. Thank you. I was going to say you. it was it was much better to cover Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. I, I was Sorry. quite enjoying that, but. <laughs> No, well, moving it's, on. It's just, oh, go yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I've, I've said what I need to say. <laughs> moving on to probably the biggest uh, shocker of the weekend, albeit it was a monsoon in Chicago. San Francisco going in there and and let's face it, they they laid an egg. Uh, Trey Lance's debut as the starting quarterback, of San Francisco. I'm going back to what we we talked about earlier about. Marcus Freeman, was that the wrong hire? Was it a little premature to name Trey Lance the starter uh, in San Francisco, or did they kind of pull the plug on Jimmy G too soon? What do you think about that, Brandon? I don't think so. Again, it goes back to what I just said. Um, I think the lack of people playing in the preseason, and this is week one reality-wise, is is the new preseason. Um I don't think it's a it's an overreaction. I, you know, there's some things that need to be be in place. Yeah, the Bears were up for the game. It's a big win for them um, over San Fran. But you know, Trey Lance has got a a, a big talent. He he can run the ball. He, he's multifaceted. I like this guy um, as their long term long term guy. Jimmy G, he he's just slightly better than average to me. Uh, I don't know. I I don't see much of a difference if this happened, you know, a little later down the season. Well, they brought Jimmy G back for a reason, in my estimation. Uh, would definitely for both sides thought it was a little suspicious. Um, with that being said, do you think that? plays with the head of a young quarterback knowing that uh the guy that he replaced is just nipping at his heels and and do you see any time within the next possible four to six weeks if trey lance just doesn't pan out that that they bring in garoppolo to to uh 
uh, off the bench, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, I don't know if y'all watched Manning Cast or uh, regular ESPN last, or I guess Monday night. Uh, man, on Manning Cast, Peyton Manning was over and over and over again. Like, this is why you played in the preseason. This is why you played in the preseason. Like, he's like, this is these are the mistakes you're making because you don't play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and Manning's a football player. Like, he wanted to play every snap. He would he play the whole preseason if he, if he could. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, yeah, if I'm Trey Lance, that was a bad performance, and I think I'm the franchise quarterback. But the NF- we all know the NFL stands for not for long. And look, they gave away a bunch of picks for him, but they can get a bunch of picks back for Jimmy G. And if they want to go from Trey Lance, like those picks are fluctuating, but. I said it draft night, and I said it uh, – I'll still say it. If you're not accurate in college, you can't play in the NFL. And mm-hmm. I thought Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are both falling in that categories. They're both still sitting on the bench or about to be benched. I just don't like that look for a top-five quarterback pick. Here's the thing, though, is if you – publicly name Trey Lance as starter, which they did. And then you let him play two or three games and then you retract that and you put Jimmy G in. Trey Lance is done. Like absolutely done. There's there's no chance he makes it in San Francisco. Yeah, maybe he gets traded and works his way back up, whatever, in a in another team. But for San Francisco, absolutely done. So you made your call already. Like you got to write, you got to write him out. Yeah. Barring injury, that's the only reason Jimmy G comes in. Well, but no, but but all right, but think about that though. You played football. The players know who the best player is to play, and if you are not playing the best player and you're not giving them the best chance to win, that team quits on you. Not necessarily because there's a. There's a team camaraderie in the locker room that that gets together, and that's but, but, that's but you different. You don't trust your coach. You don't trust your coach. If it doesn't matter. If, even if you don't trust your coach, there's been several times I didn't trust my coach. Obviously, not at any level of this nature where you're actually getting paid. This is just pure heart playing. Of people, well, no, you want to win, but, but it, in the NFL, it's a business. You're, sure, it's a business. So if yeah. you don't trust your coach. You're not you're you're playing well, and you and you want the best players out there that can make you more money that that highlight your skills and and do everything they can to yeah. better you and the team. Uh, but uh, man, it's they're they're in trouble in San Francisco. It's a slippery yeah, slope. Yeah. Uh, so we'll 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 rapid fire through these uh, real quick. Uh, man, it did Aaron Rodgers look bad? Um, I thought he was going to uh, choke slam uh, Watson for missing the wide open touchdown earlier in the first quarter. Um, this team looks like they're in deep, deep trouble in the North. Uh, even had Sean Payton to go as far as say that the Lions could finish second uh, to Minnesota. We've been through this before, specifically with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, the whole relax issue. Um but this time could be different. He he doesn't have 
that go-to guy that could get him out of uh, trouble uh, like he did back then with Devontae Adams. Uh, are we looking at the, the the downfall of Aaron Rodgers here, Robbie? I don't want to overstate what I'm about to say. But I want to get into a realm of emergency. That Aaron Rodgers may be one of the greatest talent that is underachieved in NFL history. Look, he looks like he is in I don't care mode. Like, I don't know if he's a competitor. And that's worrisome if you're like, I mean, like, like really, like, has he cared at all in the offseason? He, he won't go to OTAs, won't go to the offseason, won't practice these receivers. Then he gets Always frustrated when they can't catch his football. Like yeah. the nuances, and like you'll watch videos about the difference between throwing a left hander to a right hander. Like these, it's a, a spin rate, everything. Yeah, everything yeah. takes everything's a toll. science. Mm-hmm. And it's like to not show up, not care. He's one of the top five talents of all time in quarterback. And he may not be in the top 20 actual quarterbacks of all time in my opinion like like he's ruining his legacy how he's acting and playing like he he had wait when last when last we won a playoff game five years ago like it's been a long time this is this is a guy who's teetering on a ruining his legacy in my opinion well you look at how he went into camp and he and he publicly uh, spoke down about his receiving core, uh, which, yeah. you know, if you're a young guy coming in, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to begin with when you're, you know, coming in with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and then to be kind of called out in, in public about not such a hot start. I, I just think this is a situation where uh, maybe not a lot of faith uh, in his receivers and his receivers don't have the confidence in him either. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, to me, losing was uh, Zadarius Smith on defense was a big, uh, big loss, uh, similar to uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, and you saw Minnesota reap that benefit. He was, he was all over Brett Favre. And uh, to me, that defense uh, uh, has what it takes definitely to win the North. Uh, but, you know, how far can they go with that defense? And, and, you know, Kirk Cousins just playing, you know, mistake-free football, Brandon. Um, all right. So the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, yes, he, he has called out a lot of his rookie wide receivers and, and newcomers. Um, and that's been blasted in the media. But what you don't see also is that he's actually working with these guys behind the scenes. He really is, from what I've read in camp, um, even after the first game, he he's he publicly scolds them, but he also talks to them in the locker room and works with them about it. So, you know, take that for what you will. Um, now. Are they this passing juggernaut that we've seen in the past? Doubtful this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have a two-headed monster in the running backfield. And 
I think that's where their bread and butter is going to be this year. Um, despite if Aaron can check his ego and, and actually hand the ball off a little bit more, uh, <laughs> You know, he's already made, what, $245 million. I mean, let it go. Just hand the ball off if you need to. You got uh, two great running backs. So uh, A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate. Sometimes the media portrays you a little bit different. And it's, it's early, so we'll see. Um, he is kind of a strange character in my opinion but uh we'll we'll see how they they go but uh yeah. he is man one of the best talents i've seen in in the nfl in a long time without a doubt uh one thing i will note he does have a somewhat of a security blanket and bob tunyon back at tight end so i look for him to see a lot more action which could open up uh the edges for some success from the other receivers uh, let's go to the game uh, Monday night, which could be the the maybe the worst coaching performance we've seen here in a while with uh, Nathaniel Hackett deciding to go for a 64-yard field goal uh, to possibly win it in Seattle. Um, not only did he make the wrong decision to go for that kick, he let over 30 seconds tick off the clock in the fourth quarter with three timeouts, which I'm yelling at the TV, call timeout. I had, I had some money on this game. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, but w- what was he thinking by going in his mind that, yeah, I'm going to send my kicker out to make possibly the second longest kick in, in NFL history. What do you, what do you think went through his mind? Is this a, is this a rookie coaching mistake or, or, or is, what do you think, Robbie? I mean, like, to a very basic level and just a very simpleton level, like, had these people never played Madden? Like, like, I don't understand. Like, you laugh, but seriously, like, we all learn time control. (laughs) We learn time control, timeout control from playing Madden. Like, do you not understand if you have 60 seconds left? And, like, even if you miss, like, try to get timeouts and try to do something. If this was a disaster, you had Peyton Manning calling timeouts 62 times on the Manning cast. <laughs> but this was just an embarrassment. And yet, like a 64-yard field goal when you paid Russell Wilson $250 million to come through on this play. And look, you can you can almost I don't remember what hash mark it was on, but if it like you can roll right with a run, pass, deep pass option, and Russ Wilson can only get five yards if he has to every single play. And so that was just a – it was a bonehead decision and why Russ didn't stick up more for himself. That, it, look, this is an odd situation, I think, too. That doesn't feel right. It's, it's, it's the first date, but it feels awkward. It. It was a pressure cooker. There's no question about it. It seemed like every time Denver got down to punch the ball in, they made a mistake. Russell definitely was not, you know, the Russell Wilson we've all used to, to playing. I think the one thing he didn't do, which was he was always successful at, was running the ball. Now, I felt like he was trying to force things. Uh, 
Brandon, did, did you see him recovering from this, or, or, or is Denver going to look back and, and, and really question why they gave him such a, in my estimation, a ridiculous contract extension? Um, I think he'll recover. I mean, this is, yeah, it's it's quite a an extensive contract, but he's a borderline harm or Hall of Famer right now, and it's. Crazy. I mean, he's been to two Super Bowls, one one, mm-hmm. but you know, granted, his his team around him has has helped out a lot in that. But uh, you know, I th- I think that was just a big coaching mistake on that part in this whole game. Um, I think he was timid. This was Seattle's Super Bowl. Uh, they're not a good team. Yeah. This is probably the best game they're going to play all year. Um, they were geared up for this game. Uh, everyone knew it. 12th man was all in fashion. Um, it was, it was epic. And, and this is what they're going to remember from this season. Cause they're not a good team. This, no. this was, this was their best win of the season. This was their Super Bowl, and for sure. Good for them, you know, good for them. Um, but yeah, it was a poor coaching decision. You'd pay $250 million for a, a quarterback. It's fourth and five. Yeah. It, there is a – if there's not, you're stupid, but there is a plethora of plays that you can mm-hmm. run to get five yards with Russell Wilson. So it, it was – and I was surprised to see McManus could actually kick – he could have made it like it mm-hmm. was on track. It just started the distance left. Yeah. I had the distance. Yeah. That was incredible to me. Um, what a leg by McManus uh, also, but uh, c- stupid decision. Crazy. Um, you know, it's just somewhat karma kind of coming back into Seattle for Russell, unfortunately. I will say I was a bit disappointed with uh the, the Seattle faithful for booing Russell uh, Wilson. Yeah, I, that's just, I, un- I, I, I feel like he, he didn't deserve that for everything he accomplished there. And the fact is he was traded. He didn't, you know, he didn't. Well, they tried to trade him two other times before this one. Yeah. He wasn't, he was never going to be there beyond last year. So um, I disappointed. I, I thought it was going to be a lot better, but you know, it, it is what it is, I guess, when you look at he's not there anymore. But for what he did for that city, for that football team, exactly. I think he de- I think he deserves it. Should have been a standing ovation. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to uh, this week's picks, um, starting with the Thursday night game, which, I mean, to, to follow up last week's Thursday night game, you got the Chargers going to the Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's giving four and a half and over under of 53 and a half. Now, Harrison Butker, the kicker for Kansas City, he's out. And so is Keenan Allen for for uh, the Chargers. Uh, how much of that uh, can affect this game? We'll see. Uh, Brandon, who do you got in this one? Oh, man, this is a tough one for me. Um, I like the Chargers, I think. And I like Mike Williams, and I like um, Tennessee dude Josh Palmer. 
uh, I think he's going to really step up. And it's in Arrowhead. That's tough. Still like the Chargers. I I take the points. I think Chiefs win the game, but oh, okay. okay. I, I think I think I take the points on the Chargers. No, you you took uh, Seattle this past week with the points, so uh, that would not be a, uh, an odd pick, that's for sure. Uh, Robbie, I'll go to you since you're the uh, the neutral Lions guy. You were a, you uh, you don't eat the cornbread or drink the Honolulu Blue and Silver Kool Aid. Uh, Washington, Detroit. It's the first game in 24 games that the Lions are actually favored, albeit it's only a point and a half. It's actually come down. What's yeah. your take? I'll give you that in just one second. I just want to say, so Sunday, I'm sitting here. I click on the race. You guys know how big of NASCAR fans I am. I click on the race for two laps, the whole race. Like every – Every year, I'm like, oh, the NFL is so great, and I talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Then it actually hits, and it's better than you ever expect. It, it's always better than it was the year before. And so I was hooked last week, but only watched two laps of the race. But on the commanders, well, I automatically hate them again. Um, their name. You just hate their name. Yeah, I do hate their name. I hate him. Like, uh, so, first time Lions have been favored since November of 2020. Oh, I'll take Washington. Mm. Mm. On the road. On the road. Yeah, because Detroit is. That's Detroit. bold. Hey, I got is the Lions all day. I, I like I like the fire that they showed. They made a lot of mistakes in the second quarter last week against Philly. Uh, but if there's one thing this team uh, doesn't lack in its heart and, and fire, and and I think that's a, a, a show of their coach that they really uh, fight hard for him, and and they came up just short. So interesting. And if you pick. want to look for a Swiss Army knife, Deontay Swift or DeAndre Swift. Fantastic, dude. He had uh, like 175 total yards last mm-hmm. last week and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, just unbelievable. Complete, when they needed a play, he complete he juggernaut in offense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, Brandon scored 74 points on his fantasy team, so don't talk. To him, don't let him give you advice about fantasy. Hey, and DeAndre Swift had 28 of those 74 points. <laughs> you just had six of him, may have won. It's almost a third. It's almost yeah, a third. It's, a, it's um, week back, one. Yeah. Yeah, Tor- it's true. Tortoise wins race. This, this, this is our preseason. We're just trying to figure out right. how exactly. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Brandon. Uh, Tampa Bay looked really good. Let's face it. Um, I know you've you've picked them to go pretty far, if not uh, to the Super Bowl. Uh, Brady, eleven day hiatus from the team. Giselle, did she move out? Did they go on vacation? Did he get some work done on his face? We don't know. But one thing we do know is it didn't affect the way he played the game. He was in complete control the whole game. Um, they played the Saints today. Who, uh, yep. Yeah, or this week, I should say, who barely squeaked by. Um, okay, what do we got going on here, uh, Randall? 
not sure what's happening here. But we play, they play the Saints, who barely squeaked by Randall's uh, uh, Falcons. Uh, Falcons. They're giving. The Falcons giving only two. had like a 60 point lead in the fourth quarter. But be yeah, good. right. Tampa's only giving two and a half, and the over under is 44 and a half. Do you think that number is a little bit low, Brendan? Absolutely. Um, trust in the GOAT. This is this is going to be at least a 10-point game, in my opinion. Um, like I said, like we talked about, it's kind of preseason. They're figuring everything out. Tom Brady, he even criticized himself. He threw a bad interception, blah, blah, blah. But he managed the game well. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran the ball when he needed to. Uh, hit his receivers. Kick field goals, whatever. I mean, this dude's a goat. He is not here when he's 44 years old without a mission, 45. And uh, he's trying to win another Super Bowl. So um, just strap on your boots and watch this dude. He is the goat. All right, Robbie, here's here's two teams that – what are they going to do? Are they going to be able to uh, repeat what they used to do in, in years past? I'm talking about the Patriots and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh coming off a big win. Uh, Cincinnati, albeit at a big cost, losing T.J. Watt for could be the whole year. We're not sure. Um, flip side, New England, uh, Mac Jones got a back issue. They're not really talking much about it. It's hush-hush. He didn't look good last week in Miami. Uh, so the Steelers are giving two and a half over under 40 and a half. I think that over under says uh, Vegas doesn't think they're going to score a lot of points in this game. Who do you like in this one? Well, one, I can't believe is no longer named Hinesfield. That was the perfect place for a <laughs> football sponsorship. Um, you know, I still think New England's getting credit for their name. Like I thought yeah. week one, like, they're not very good, and the coaching staff still is shaking up. Um, I like Tomlin at home getting points. Um, they weren't great against Cincinnati, but giving the points. But, yeah, I do like the under. The under is low compared to every other game for a reason. They want you to bet over. No, I think it's going to be a 17-10, game. Yeah. Uh, I like the under. Okay. Uh, Brandon, Tua, eh, didn't impress me. Uh, Tyreek Hill probably had a decent game. I think he can be better. Going into Baltimore to face uh, – Lamar Jackson, who is looking for a massive contract, one of a guaranteed deal, which I don't think he's going to get. Um, Baltimore giving three and a half over under right now at 44 and a half. I see big numbers from this game. Um, this could be a season where Lamar's really trying to prove his worth, uh, taking some risks that he wouldn't normally take. Uh, and Tua's got, got, uh, a lot to prove. He's got the weapons. Um, will he do it? It's It remains to be seen. What do you think about this game? Two and a half, Baltimore. Um, I'll take that all day. Uh, it's 
possible that J.K. Dobbins is is back this week. Yeah, he was full participant in, in yeah, practice today. Which, which is which is huge. Um, I mean, if you remember him in his rookie season, he was just incredible. You know, mm-hmm. and then second year, little hurt, injured. You know, took out whatever. Uh, this dude's a beast. Uh, not just saying that because he's from Ohio State, and I'm biased, but kind of I am. A little bit, uh, but uh, he is a beast. Watch out for this dude this year. Uh, if he's fully healthy and stays healthy, the tandem between him and Lamar running, um, it's going to be vicious. So I, I, I'd like Baltimore here for sure. Yep. Uh, Robbie, Arizona going into Sin City uh, after absolutely getting uh, curb stomped by Kansas City. Uh, I think we can all say, what was Arizona thinking by giving them that extension? I don't think they were. Uh, then you've got the Raiders who, you know, played well against the Chargers. And I think that's what you're going to see up and down that division. So Arizona going in, uh, Vegas giving them four and a half, over under 51 and a half. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of points being scored. My estimation, I think this is Raiders uh, mopping the floor with uh Cardinal blood uh, all day long. What do you think? I totally agree. This is a losing college coach that came to a NFL job and he's losing the NFL. It's a raw, like they got off shotgun the first few years then collapsed. Now they're collapsing from the start. This is the end of the cliff Kings, Kingsbury mm-hmm. era. Like I just don't buy any of this stuff. It just, this, I hate to be anti-moneyball kind of situation, but this just isn't what the NFL does. Like, God, you can't – you don't throw people open in the NFL. Or you, I'm sorry. You don't get open in the NFL. You have to throw people open. And so that's not what Kyler does because he can't get out. Like, It's a running quarterback. No, I just – I have a bad taste in car. I think this is the demise of this whole system – and, yeah, it sucks for them. They just paid him a whole boatload of money. Mm-hmm. And he's talented. He's dynamic. But, yeah, you're not going to win with him. Should have stayed in baseball. And, hey, tell me you haven't heard this before. J.J. Watt's hurt and not playing. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, what, I, what I say in our group thread, the Watts <laughs> are just prone for injury. Prone to injury. They're, yeah, they're unbelievable athletes. And, yep. you know, for two or three games a year, they're fantastic. And Remind me myself. It's un- <laughs> unfortunate because uh, their pedigree is, is pretty stout. So. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, team we just talked about a few minutes ago, Seattle, uh, won their Super Bowl. Rightfully so. Good for them. They go into San Francisco, and, and they're playing a team that has a lot to prove. I think if there's a team in the NFL right now that that has to make up for just a horrible performance, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. Um, eight and a half. San Francisco is laying eight and a half. Um, 41 and a half over under. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh, man, this – 41 over under. I almost like the under here. I, I think this is kind of a uh, a ploy on Vegas to to make you pick yeah. over. 
get people in um, that, that number is going to come down. This is going to be a pillow fight. I mean, th- these two teams right now are in shambles. I, like I said, they're they're coming off a high in Seattle. This is their Super Bowl. They they played a fantastic game. I've never seen Geno Smith look so good. Um, <laughs> and you won't ever see that again, probably, probably in your not. lifetime. Um, so they were amped up for this all season. Um, I I think they're deflated. It's it's going to be you know try and get through this kind of game. Um, I like the under. I'll just stay with that. Okay. Uh, Robbie, uh, Vikings look good against Green Bay. Or did Green Bay just look bad? That you know, We'll see about that. They go into Philly facing a team in the first half last week that looked like they could beat anybody in the NFL. Jalen Hurts almost single-handedly ran over the Lions uh, defense uh, when, when – they needed a play. He just took off running, and, and that's his game. Um, coming home after a big win on the road, they're giving two with an over-under of 50 and a half. Um, can Jalen Hurts do to the Minnesota Viking defense what he did to my Lions last week? Yes. The short answer is yes. Look, the – Eagles are equipped with weapons on weapons on weapons. And Kirk Cousin is also equipped with weapons. I like the over. Um, Philly minus two. It's at home. It's going to be Monday night. It's going to be rowdy. I think they may win. But I'd stay away from the points. I like the over in this game. I think both teams score at will, really. Mm-hmm. Um Look, you have Jalen, you have Jalen, you have Miles Sanders, Mike Sanders, Miles Sanders, you have AJ Brown, you have uh the other Alabama running back or receiver. Vikings have weapons. Like, there's Smith. a lot of talent. Devontae Smith, yeah. 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 So yeah, I like that. I like a lot of points scored here. Yeah. Similar I, to I the think, Vikings Eagles game last week. I think Vegas agrees with you on that one. And we'll close it up right here with this game, the the big game of Monday night. Um, obviously, uh, Buffalo did what they did. They look like the best team in the NFL. Um, going up against you, you, your boys, the Tennessee Titans, who we won't even talk about what happened with them. Saquon Barkley oh, got me a lot of points fantasy. But anyways, moving on to week two. Um the Bills are giving nine and a half points with an over-under of 48 and a half. Brandon, is that number ridiculous or is it pretty much on par with what we think might happen Monday night? This is a free money play. And <laughs> this is typically what the Titans do. So we go and, and lose to bad teams at home or away or whatever you have. We will win this game, just like we did last year. Ladies and um, gentlemen, reckless speculation at its finest. So last year, we lost to the Jets at home, twenty-four twenty-seven. Terrible team. I don't. Even, I don't even know if they had one or two wins at that point. Then the next week, we go in, or we play the Bills at home, thirty-four thirty-one win. Yeah. This is typical Titans. 
just like we called it last week, this is a game we lose to the Giants team who is supposed to be no good. We go in, we lose. Should have won the game. Yeah, we need we we've got kicker problems. Hashtag kicker problems. <laughs> Who uh, doesn't? That yeah, that that that's been Oops. a big big thing for us for sure. Uh this is a game I see us winning. I see us bouncing back. Um now, don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is a dog and the Bills are the juggernaut. But this is a game maybe they slightly overlook and that Vrabel over prepares for and, and we can we can pull this one out. So I would take the points on this one. Um we're minus ten or nine and a half. Nine right now, yeah. Yeah. So take our points all day long. Uh we're not losing by that much. I think we win. So before we wrap it up, Robbie, uh you're a Titan fan, obviously. What do you think? Um, I agree. Take the points. Uh, Tennessee will not lose more, by more than a touchdown. Um, as much as teams don't, don't – they say that they don't look ahead, the Titans were looking ahead at this game. They had Giants at home, thought they were going to win. They have been putting in plays for this game to put a statement in. At Buffalo, we went home field advantage. Um, was it a mistake? Yes, because every win's a win. Every loss is a loss. So, um, Vrabel has these guys motivated. Um, they're going to make little mistakes. Buffalo's probably coming off a little bit of a high, high horse after whipping the Rams' butts. So, I expect a close game. I'm not gonna. I would not take Titans money line, but um, it'll be close. I like the Titans over under 48. The over. I think. I think. I think some points are gonna be scored. Yeah. Yeah. I. I agree. Uh, you're. They're gonna want some redemption. Uh, it is a hostile environment coming off a big win uh, Monday night, so it, it could be tough. But I. I, I kind of agree with you guys. Uh, Rabel is just a coach. And he knows uh, what dials to turn, what buttons to push when when he needs to get the most out of his players. So I definitely see a closer game than what Vegas uh, predicts in that. Well, with that being said, uh, like last week, all our predictions, throw them out the window. We're probably all wrong, which is okay, which is the, the name of the show, Reckless Speculation. That's fine. We can be wrong. We have a good time. We throw money at it. And I want to take this opportunity to thank Randall for giving me the opportunity to lead you guys. This is this is a great experience. Uh, I love being a part of this show, and I look forward to doing this week in and week out and and things beyond. So thank you guys. And any of those charities, um, I will match up to five hundred dollars. Um, if anyone, if, if y'all just send me the receipts. Um, I'll, I'll match whatever people donate to. Awesome. Yeah, check out that link on the River City Media page or Randall's page, and we'll be posting it to all our socials. So look out for that. It's definitely a good cause. So with, with that being said, look forward to next week, a week full of football action on both college and NFL, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. And please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, 
we appreciate it. What yes. That, Let's go. Yes. What he said. Absolutely. And then it's, uh, next week, it's uh, Tennessee floor week. So Randall and I will be on high uh, paranoid alert, alert next week. <laughs> Looking forward to Let's that. Let's do it. Going to be All fun, right. boys. Yes, sir. Good shows.